So I'm curious this morning, what kind of grocery shopper are you? Impulse buyer? Browser? I'm going to walk down every single aisle and see all the things. The brand purist? I'm only going to get Trisket brand Triscuits. Yeah? Yes, okay. Not, not the Aldi ones. No, no, okay. All right, bargain hunters out there. Maybe you're the technology adopter that, like, if I never have to step foot into the store, that's what winning looks like. They bring it to my door. (laughs) Or maybe you're the foodie adventurist out there, love the specialty sections and all the weird things that I can't pronounce, and you make something fantastic with it. Or or maybe you're the, like, straight from the farm kind of person. Like, I'm going to get it from the CSA or the farmer's market, the the self pick at the orchard or things, because there's lots of that around here. Or maybe you're like a friend of mine from Oklahoma, and, and he said, and you got to picture this, uh, like big beard, broad shoulders, big dude, like you wouldn't want to meet him uh, in a dark alley kind of guy, and he's like, I shop like a caveman. I'm like, ooh, okay. He's like, hunt, kill, bring it home. That's it. Fast as possible, mission-minded, make it happen. Anybody out there like that? I got a list and I'm making it happen. Yes, there you go, Larry. No matter which one you are, I want to tell you this morning, you are a harvester and not a gardener. You might buy garden fresh, farm fresh, even go to the farm or have it delivered, up to you, but you didn't plant seeds, you didn't water, you didn't fertilize, you didn't weed, you didn't tend, you just harvested You just enjoyed the fruits of another's labor. You just basked in the beauty of what has been grown and what is already ready. Mostly, if we go to the stores, we're just picking up what's already been picked out for us. Now, I don't mean this as a criticism or a critique, rather just to be clear, to orient you to what is. When it comes to getting food, we're harvesters. We're good at that. We can, we can manage this. But growing all our food, ah, that would be another thing. Harvesting, that we can do. That's within reach. And I point out the distinction here because when it comes to the kingdom of God and our role within it, we're not called to grow things. We're not called to grow new followers of Jesus. We're not called to sow opportunities to be good news to current followers of Jesus. We're called to harvest. Harvest what God has grown, what God has already sown. And to work so that other harvesters harvest along with us. This comes straight uh, from the words of Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 2. I'm going to put it up here for you. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into, what kind of fields are they? Harvest fields. Say that real loud. Harvest fields. Yeah. So like a field that is already filled with vegetables to be to be picked, like, like your neighbor's garden that did all the work and you just get to go over and pick the tomatoes. Uh, like an orchard that's already thick with fruit or a grocery store where all the work, most all the work is already done and you just get to pick out which is the best of the best apples in there. It's already done. Only thing that's needed are hands to gather what is grown so that God's intentions for those things can be fulfilled. Now, if you've been walking with us here at Holy Cross, this is not a new concept. We have taught this before. You've heard about harvest that is already ready. But but say it along with me. The harvest is 
already ready. In fact, uh, if you have your own Bible uh, with you today, open up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have your own Bible, there is one nearby, but I'd love all of you to get to Luke chapter 10, uh, whether that's a digital version. Uh, if you're sitting in the front row here, there's some like under your legs there in those, those little racks uh, next to you, in front of you. Uh, scoot up to a neighbor if uh, you're not sure how to get there, uh, but get to Luke chapter 10. If you've got your own Bible with you or you're taking notes, this would be a great thing to write down. The harvest is already ready, or to write this in the margins of your Bible. For where we're going today, and in the three weeks to come in this uh, new series, we're going to consider more specifically what harvesting actually looks like. And for those of you that come away from church on Sundays, some days, and be like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I get some of the concepts, like, this is a series for you, because we're going to talk a lot about what are you supposed to do? What does this look like? Spoiler alert, it's not primarily about what's said from a pulpit or a podium. Rather, it is a plan that leverages the influence disciples already have in the places they already live, work, and play, and hence the already ready. In short, we're going to talk about how we as disciples are called to be influencers. Now, that's a popular term out there. Anybody know what an influencer is? Just raise your hand if you do that. Yes, if you are younger, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if, you're, if you're not, uh, maybe you don't. But these are people that uh, on social media or you pick the platform, whatever it is, they have built a following and now they have ads that are sold next to their things or there's product placements they've done and they can make money because they're maybe uh, the, the main influence on uh, how to grow jalapenos in your garden. They've got lots of people that are with that and they can sell based on it. We're called to be influencers and it's like that but yet different. Because when we harvest, oh, sorry, when we influence in the ways that Jesus describes, the harvesting that he's looking for happens. What I mean by that is that the number of people, harvest happens when the number of people that are safely under the care of King Jesus increases. I'm talking about the harvesting happens when people are actively encouraged, already followers of Jesus are actively encouraged by others to hear and trust in that good news. Uh, harvest is happening when the number of people that are actively welcoming more to harvest along with them is increasing. Now, over the course of this series, I suspect that many questions or maybe, maybe even objections come up along the way. Can I just encourage you to use uh, your bulletin and write them down along the way? And if we don't answer them in the course of this series, reach out to us. Drop us an email. We'd love to grab you a coffee and uh, talk about it. We'd love to chat more. But for today, we start with Jesus' big picture plan in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. But before I can go there, we've always got to start with what? Context. Always best to start with context. Read a few verses before, a few verses after. You know what the speaker really is communicating rather than whatever you want him to. So, in the verses just before this is the section where Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem, which for him means he's set his mind now on the work of the cross, 
and the resurrection that'll come after that, knowing what is to come. He's looking ahead already even post-cross to the 40 days that he'll walk on this earth before he will ascend into heaven. And eventually then the disciples will take over the mission that he has been doing. So his goal in this time, he's getting really focused and practical so that they would not only know the things that he knows, but do the things that he did, and he prepares them for the season to come. In the verses just before it, he, he highlights that this following would be costly. I imagine looking ahead to his own cost and saying, yeah, you're gonna walk the same path I am. That it would not be convenient, and in fact, it is something that's quite urgent. Uh, if you read back into it, I'm not gonna read it now, he talks about a man who's like, ah, I gotta wait for, for my dad to die, and, and that he would be buried. Uh, a man whose probably father is ill, and Jesus is essentially saying no. There are people that are going to die before your dad does, not knowing me. So get after it. It's urgent. Let's get going. And he warns, actually, so much so, he says that one time there at the end of chapter 9, and he kind of says the same things again at the beginning of chapter 10. So let me read those things uh, for you. You can follow along in your own version of the Bible. Luke 10, starting at verse 1. After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. We'll pause right there. Let's look back at verse 1. He sends out those 72. Now, if you've been reading, if you read your way through Luke, this sounds familiar because he sent out the 12 in a similar way, the 12 disciples, and now he's sending the 72 in the same way. And if you look ahead to the end of his ministry, he sends all of the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Say it with me if you know it. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So the 12, the 72, and now all disciples. And so as we look at the pattern here, this is a pattern that we can adopt for ourselves as well because we're sent in the same way. And if we're supposed to do the things that Jesus did and know the things that Jesus knew, then this is something we need to know and live into. So he's sending out to the 72 in a model we'd wisely adopt. His step one uh, here is uh, this harvest is plentiful thing. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Think, pray to the Lord of the harvest. This is our first call to prayer. Right where you are, even before you've gotten out of your seat, this is the first part of living on his mission, prayer, that others would join us in this. Let your obedience start here, knowing that there's a harvest already ready for you and for others. And then verse three, uh, there is a behold here as well. If you're reading the NIV, it's not in there, but ESV it is. Behold, this is like, we're gonna write the rest of it in all bold and all caps. Uh, hear this part, this is super important. Behold, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound very nice, being a lamb among wolves, but that's why he's saying it. You're going to be vulnerable. This is going to be dangerous, but nonetheless, I send you for the sake of those who don't know yet, who are even more vulnerable because their eternities are, are on the table. And then number two, don't uh, take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't greet anybody on the road. Uh, 
make it your plan that you don't trust in yourself, but instead trust in me to provide. So number one, pray. Number two, trust in him, the good shepherd that will provide for all your needs. He's probably hoping that at this point they think of Psalm 23 or other things that he's talked about where he is the good shepherd, the one who goes along with them, who goes through the valley of the shadow of death so that they fear no evil, leads them ahead of them because he says, look, I am with you. And that's why you don't need to fear. And he even says, we can look in this very passage, that he does provide protection for those who are sent out and vulnerable. Let your eyes scan down to verse 17, and you'll see that as the 72 now come back from the thing that they're sent to do that we haven't talked about yet, but we'll get there, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I, Jesus, saw Satan fall like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He does protect them. He does lead them. His power does work through them. That promise is true for you, too. Back to verse 4. Don't greet anybody on the road. Just keep going ahead. This is not their normal practice. He's speaking of a single-minded uh, thought here. This is urgent. So he's like, look, I need you to go. I need you to not just stay where you are. I need you to go be in these places. Go be present with people. So, so far we've got pray, trust, go. To what? Here we go. Verses 5 through 12. Do this. When you enter a house, say peace to this house. And if man or a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. And if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. When you enter a town and are welcome, so option number one, you give your peace, they greet, you greet them, and you're welcomed. Then eat what's set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. Option number two, you give your peace here, and uh, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. In just a word, he's calling us to discern or to look for people of peace. That's worth writing down. Look for people of peace. Uh, this is where in verses five and six, you know, say peace to this house. If a person of peace, a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. What is a person of peace? I think this is worth, if you want to take a picture of something today, pick a picture of that slide. A person of peace is someone that is relationally open to you and willing to serve you. Uh, we see this in the text as someone, you greet them and they're like, they smile and they say, yeah, come on in. They're willing to serve you, literally take you into their house and feed you in this context. But it isn't always just as narrow as that. Relationally open might just be, this is a person that's curious about you, that when you send them a text, they send you one back that uh, they want a relationship with you, that they're one that invites you to things in their life or things that are fun for them. They're open to you 
as God has designed you. You don't have to be somebody else. You get to be you, uniquely designed, and God has prepared people for you. What a gift. And they're willing to serve you is the second part. Already, maybe there's somebody that already does serve you. This is that helpful neighbor, the insurance agent that's uh, just doing his job well. It might be the waiter at the restaurant or the coworker that pitches in when you've got an especially busy week. Uh, maybe it's somebody that does these things for someone in your household. That also could be a person of peace to you because they're caring for the people that you care for. Or it might be someone that would serve if given the chance. Uh, they're like, hey, I'm doing this project and I need a bigger ladder. Do you have one? And they're like, yeah, I'd love, love to help you out. Or I need a cup of flour. I ran out and I'm making cookies. Yeah, I'd love to take care of that for you. So might just need to float it out to some people to find out if they're willing to serve you. But once you do know that, if I've figured out these pieces, someone that's relationally open to me and willing to serve me or my family, then it's time to act. It's a call to action here that, that Jesus has given us. And really, it's a call, number one, to stay, which seems really anticlimactic. Hey, if you find this person, you're discerning for these things, first thing you do is stay. Okay, got it. But while you're there, heal, it's the sicknesses, and proclaim the kingdom of God that's near. Now, if this person isn't a person of peace, he does cover that as well. You still tell them the kingdom of God is near, but the message is a bit more of a warning. Hey, there's a king that oversees all this, and judgment is coming, and he's coming soon. So be warned. Uh, verse 16, if you scan ahead in, in Luke 10 there, it tells us uh, the sort of authority that they go with, that uh, he who listens to you listens to me, and he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So that's it. There's the plan. Pray, trust, go, discern, act. If they're a person of peace, you stay with them. Heal and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. I mean, it's pray that there'll be more harvesters. Trust that he'll lead and protect you. Go and be present with people. Discern which ones are people of peace and then act on your discernment. I think many of us, as we think about being a part of the harvest, think it's too big of a job. But I wonder how many of us are thinking about the, the work of being on the mission of Jesus as more like gardening and less like harvesting. If you thought of it more like, I gotta pick out which apple I want from all the beautiful apples there, like, can't you do that? I think many of us uh, think to myself, uh, I don't know enough. I am not a good enough example of following Jesus. I don't have enough time to add this. But the truth is, you do know some things, and what it is is enough. Because really, relationships are at the core of this, and you've been doing them for the whole of your life. And maybe you're not amazing at them, but you've been doing it. So continue it, but with this in mind. And as you do, know that God is present and at work and working for your good. The simple message of we need this king to be our king and that he's leading and protecting us. The, your example of just living in those things is enough. He doesn't need you to be a good enough example in your eyes. You need a, to be an example of following him with eyes on him, whatever that looks like. And if there is one truth that you would take with you today, it's this. 
there are people that are already ready for you specifically. Say these words on the screen along with me. There are people already ready for me specifically. Let that soak in. There are people that are already ready for me, for you specifically. I don't care whether you're third grade, third job, third husband, third time retiring, third time trying to get sober. It doesn't matter your age or your stage, your status or your struggle. There are people that will be people of peace that God has prepared for you specifically. So to all of you that say, I don't have enough time, you've already got people in your life. Just be intentional and look anew at those that are already there. Go there. You're already going. Just be there in this way. Look both at those who already know and trust in Jesus as well as those who don't yet trust in him. It might be many and it, it might be few, but realistically, most people have the capacity for being intentional with about 20 at any given time. 20 people of peace in their lives. And that, that 20 might change over the, the course of the years, but, but 20 might be immediate family, could be close friends. A good chunk of them might be those very people. Don't look past them. But yet again, it might not be them. And if it's not them, know that the harvest is already ready and there are 20 that are ready for you. So look for them and let the other ones be for God is the Lord of the harvest. And he's got people that are already ready for those other ones that are not already ready for you. If they're relationally open to you, willing to serve you, we get to be obedient. We get to be expectant. We get to be like, all right, Lord, this is one of them. Help me see. Every each and every day and in every interaction, I get to look. Lord, when is my opportunity to stay with them, to bring healing to them, and to speak good news to them of a God that's present and at work in the midst of things? Stay means to invest there, to listen well there, to be observant there. It means to look expectantly for what Jesus has promised is already ready. For if this person is relationally open to you and willing to serve you, you can expect that Jesus has already planted, already watered, already weeded, already grown something so that you can harvest. That there will be an opportunity for you to be his good news representative there. By your presence, by your loving action, by your words, they'll experience Jesus through you. So stay and know that this is faithful and wise, even though it probably feels not productive and inefficient. See, I think we are easy to measure the value of what we offer and the importance of what we do in the same way as influencers on social media do, by the size of their following or the number of views they get per video or post. So in comparison, being present and available in a text conversation or a person in the hallway seems small and insignificant, but friends, in the kingdom of God, it is huge and significant. Let me just give you two examples here. When staying with someone in your house, uh, let's say a child or a spouse, means that you're present with them 
And because of that, they divulge a fear to you. One that's been eating them up, that, that they've been harboring or hiding otherwise. And you get to bring healing to their fear-filled heart by pointing them to a God that is with them in that thing that they are fearful of. And you get to bring a prayer that he would use his power in this place and it leads to even a little bit more peace. That is huge and significant, amen? Amen. When staying with one who doesn't trust in Jesus, like a friend or a coworker or the restaurant server you see every Friday night means that you get that late night phone call When their parent had a stroke and they feel like all the wheels are coming off and you get to lament and you get to weep with them and you get to be present with them in their bad news and they trust you enough to welcome you in there. And maybe you get a chance to say, man, in times like this, my only hope is in a God who ultimately will bring healing and will eradicate all disease from this world. That's huge and significant, but but even if you never speak of Jesus, even if you're only present in the moment, uh, lamenting with them, and your coworker or that server at the restaurant or your friend just grows a smidge closer to really trusting a Christian, that's huge and significant for the path from being someone who's not a follower of Jesus to one who one day is doesn't go directly from one to the other. It first goes from not trusting any Christians to trusting one. It goes from not being open to, to, um, to, to, to change in my life to being open to that, to, to eventually being curious and, and more and more so that eventually I'm over that threshold into faith. But every step is a step and a valuable one. Friends, no matter what kind of shopper you are, you're a harvester, not a gardener. He's just directing us to pick up what's already picked out for us. He's telling you, you're already ready. There are people already ready for me specifically. So can I challenge you to look for your 20? 20 that are relationally open and willing to serve you. And then do the slow and messy work of relationship, of of staying there, of looking for opportunities. By the the world's uh, work, this does not look like much, but if we collectively do this, there's about 350 of us that gather here in any given month. 20 people times 350 is 7,000. Suddenly that doesn't sound like such a small number. And if we trust that that investment leads to others investing, the more harvesters will harvest along with us, and that 7,000 picks their 20, man, I'll let you get your calculator out for that, but that looks like more than we could ask or imagine. I'll leave you with just two questions. Do you see who is already ready for you? And will you take Jesus at his word that they are? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, embed in our hearts this promise of a harvest that's already ready for us uniquely. Give us the courage to stay and to pray and to be good news bearers so that your kingdom does come and your will is done. Amen.
Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.